Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Disc Coverers, the internet's only podcast that reads, reviews, and ranks all 41 of Terry Pratchett's seminal comic fantasy novel series, Discworld. I am your host, Iris J. Pronouns are she or Zare. Uh, with me are my three delightful co-hosts. Why don't you introduce yourselves in alphabetical order? I am still Belina. I am still she slash they. I am just, as always, glad to be here. Hi, hello. I am the Internet's beloved Princess Grace. Uh, she, her, fay fair, if you're spicy, and may be the first one to welcome you all to Terry Pratchett Presents Feet. Wow. <laughs> hello, I am Juniper, uh, as usual. Uh, she, her, and oh my god, I'm so excited. Oh my god, oh my god. Yeah, this episode, we're talking about the 19th episode in the series, and the first one where I feel like Terry Pratchett really, really writes the first real, actual (laughs) Discord. We only have two Uh, modes, either don't read this book, it's bad, or now this is the first Discworld book if you think about it. What asshole keeps... What asshole keeps scribbling the real Dark Souls starts here in front of every goddamn podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Don't give up, skeleton. Uh, but yeah, we, we read uh, Feet of Clay this time, the third book in the uh, the Watch series, and uh, I this book was really, really good, except for one very crucial thing, which was pointed out uh, by, pointed out first. I think it was Bellino who pointed it out first, uh, this book doesn't have the librarian in it. What's up with that? Yeah, this is like the, this is the first one that doesn't have the librarian in it. Yeah, that's why yeah, it's the so, first good one. Well, I was Aww. going to say, can you really call it a true Discworld book if it doesn't have the librarian in it? Um, I mean, sorry, a lot yes, of you need the librarian. A lot of these, I love the librarian. A lot of these books have, like, someone will just say, you know, we could go talk to the wizards, and everybody else in the room go, God, no! And, yeah. you know... <laughs> this but, is the but, book that, where they finally listened. Yeah, for <laughs> Nobody once went the... to the wizards in this book. <laughs> yeah, like, we get a Red Cully, but he's, he's the religiously inclined one. Mm-hmm. This is the other one. This is one of my top three favorite Discworld books ever. Uh, I love this book so much. It is, I I fucking adore it. Uh, I think it's maybe the first book where you can really talk about Pratchett from a leftist perspective seriously that I get really excited about. I I'm yeah. I oh gosh I'm so excited. I this is this book is one of my favorite cyberpunk books ever. <laughs> Holy uh, shit! Put on your mirror shades and jack in, folks. How many and, penis uh, options do the golems come with? I think as many as they want, really. Mm-hmm. Very I mean, wise. That's the beauty of sculpture; you can express yourself any way you want to. Mm-hmm. And speaking of expressing yourself, why don't we turn it over to our experts in optics, Belina, for a quick rundown of the plot before we begin the delicious discussion. Belina, whenever you're ready, feel free to take it away. The nobles are at it again. Having realized the carrot would actually be too good of a king to be useful, and worse, he might actually marry a hot werewolf, they've decided to find someone less intelligent and easier to bribe. Oh, and instead of bothering to have Veterinary killed, they're just going to keep him poisoned until he quits for the sake of his own health. They decide on Nobby, and nobody's really sure why they thought that was a good idea. Unrelatedly, a couple of old men in Ankh-Morpork get murdered. Murdered. 
This is not itself notable or even uncommon, but there are signs that golems are responsible for it and people are not happy about this. Golems are even lower on the social to totem pole than the undead. They're, they're robots. They're, they're Asimovian robots. The Watch does its thing and starts investigating. They've got a new alchemist on the roster, a dwarf named che Cheery. She gets a case of the genders, and we'll probably spend about half the episode talking about that. This is, this is important, uh, the alchemist part, that is, because she spends most of the episode doing poison testing. A golem shows up at the Watch House, admitting to doing a murder or two, even if it clearly didn't. The confession does lead to the truth, however. A dozen other golems have gotten together, pitching in parts of themselves as much clay as they could acquire to create Meshuggah as a sort of king golem. Unfortunately, they completely stuffed its head with all of their combined hopes, dreams, and fears, and it goes predictably rampant. It was responsible for both the murderers, and also by coincidence, it's the one that's been making the arsenic candles that have been poisoning Vetinari. Few convenient chase scenes, and one to purchase Golem eating his own receipt later, there's a showdown between the Mad King Golem, parenthetical, kings make everything worse, as the series continues to prove, and Dorfel, the first liberated Golem, in a candle factory. In the end, the king explodes, Dorfel also explodes, but gets better, and becomes the disc's first ceramic agnostic. And Vimes gets to throw a master of the bazaar in jail after burning his afterlife's work down. Nobody really learns any lessons, because everyone who mattered was right all along. Hell yeah. Happy ending. Oh, yeah. yeah. I will I will note I, that I... I wrote my notes here, Christ Anguilla, because she is a real asshole to Dorval for the first, like, chunk of the book. Yeah, yeah a, a lot of people are really, really racist in this book. And, like, I'm mm. not saying this to bring the book down, because it's all being... A, it's being portrayed... Um, it's being portrayed, uh, unfortunately, realistically, and because the fact that everyone is looking down on someone is kind of one of the points of the book. Yeah, mm. it's a book about who gets to be human. Who deserves to be human? Yeah. Who gets personhood? When Angua, I joke about it being a cyberpunk book, it's because this book is about robots. Like this is this is a book about robots said should the sentience that, that, that yeah. that's what yeah. the book is about. It like, uses like I, magic, but it's like, that. like yeah. I said, are robots people? Yeah, yeah. Pratchett very clearly is interpreting golems as Asimovian robots. Which oh yeah, we should we should we should really quickly do a quick aside of Pratchett also uses like specific Jewish stuff for the golem. Yeah. Like I've... there's there's uh the whole thing of like having a brief piece of religious text in their head. There's the fact that they talk about taking holy days which start at sunset. There's mm -hmm. a lot of stuff there that I don't think any of us are really fully prepared to um dive into unless one of us is there yeah. there is a, a side note here that was over on the l space annotations if you had a uk printing of the book the golems were not just speaking in caps the golems were speaking in a specific font that is supposed to look like hebrew lettering mm -hmm. interesting yeah it's mm -hmm. it's very on the nose which is interesting because on the, the the golems are kind of just used for let's tell a story about robots in a lot of ways, though it does take mm -hmm. a lot of stuff. Like, the whole thing about them not having a voice is, I believe, a direct reference to uh, Jewish mythology with the golem. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I don't feel like Pratchett fully, like, dove into Jewish mythology to make this accurate. I feel like he just found a cool thing and ran with it. But I it's a lot less terrible than other stuff where he's found a cool thing and ran with it. Yeah, I'd no. really love to talk um, about it with someone yeah. who really knows this stuff, but like, 
as we've seen in interesting times, it could be a lot worse than him being like, oh, they're robots. Yeah, I could tell a story about robots that have, like, vague concepts of sentience. Yeah, like mm-hmm. the, like the, you know, they talk about, you know, oh, you know, someone told a golem to fetch water and, you know, it kept bringing water until it flooded the place. And that is apparently, like, an actual golem of Prague story. Yeah. Yeah, it- it, that later got adapted a hundred different ways and eventually mm. found itself in Fantasia because, you know, Disney is a catamari of every mythology and every folklore story and whatever they can get their grubby mitts on. Yeah, yeah basically. It's um, it's something I'd love to talk about with someone who is uh, more historically inclined and also more Jewish than I am, but for now yeah. I'm just going to say it. it's a choice that mostly just kind of adds some level of flavor and feels a bit strange, but is mm-hmm. not nearly as bad as it could be as we've seen in the past. I like that the that Terry at no point in the story goes like, yeah, and this is an analogy for for Jewishness or anything. Like he talks yeah. about they they come from somewhere, there is a specific culture that they're from, there's a specific language, and it's like, yeah, that's the story just kind of sidesteps it. And like, I don't know if Terry was not Jewish, so I don't know if him interfacing with that more would have made for a better book. As I mean, we have we have kind of a track record where the answer is no, it wouldn't have. <laughs> I, so. I kind of had this one, I made an offhand remark that I thought was going to end up being a joke when I was reading this the first time through. Well, you know, you know what I mean, but... Uh, Mm-hmm. But go seeing an offhand reference to a kosher butcher and going, huh, that's funny. I don't think I want to think too hard about the idea that there must be Judaism in the, in the Discworld. And then like three seconds pass, I go, oh, right. This is about golems. I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah. But like, if, if we weren't, I mean, th- this is a passion thing. We, we are, we're doing this because it's fun. We're not doing this because it's a job. I feel like mm-hmm. this is one of those episodes where we could have really used a guest star if we were the kind of people that could arrange that sort of thing more in advance. Because, if you'd like yeah. to come up the podcast to do a guest star about uh, specifically uh, your knowledge of Jewish mythology and the myth of the golem and your love of the book Feet of Clay and want to talk about this, message us. Yeah, we'd love Send that. us an email. Yeah. Maybe email we'll, I mean, we'll figure it yeah, out. Yeah, we've, we've done a bonus episode. Jacob mm-hmm. Geller, please message us. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't, if you haven't, uh, for the record, uh, instead, it, if you would actually like to research more, Jacob Geller did a fantastic video on the myth of the golem. It's really fantastic. Extremely recommend it. You can find it on his yeah. YouTube channel. Uh, Put that on stuff. the show notes. Put it in the show notes. Reference this to understand what kind of Pratchett just kind of decided to do his own version of without fully understanding, I think. Mm-hmm. But also, it, it's a pretty cool version <laughs> Yeah, he very clearly he knew what stories he wanted to tell here. And again, he these the you putting a few simple instructions into their head and hoping that it all works out is the Asimov thing. Mm-hmm. Like the three laws of robotics were a thought experiment, and Asimov's entire career was based on these three laws have so many goddamn holes. It's not an impenetrable wall. It's at best a chain link fence. Please, please, please think more about this. With 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 the whole thing about that covered, like I think, in a in a broader sense, in regards to the whole, this is a story about robots thing. Like it's interesting how this 
A story about robots, all stories about robots, are essentially stories about labor. Uh, yeah. And mm. this this book has a lot of thoughts about labor and also a lot of thoughts about control. Who gets to control who? Yeah. We kind of touched on it mm. in our little pre-summary talk, but I think it's really interesting that uh, there's a lot of people being racist in this book, but there's always kind of a point to that. Like, we see these characters who are by no means at the top of the heap in terms of the social strata, but they always have another group of people who they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I I may catch a lot of heat, but I'm definitely more of a person than this other group. Like, Cherry is trans, uh, and that's that's a point of that's a point of personal distress for her. But at least she's not a werewolf, and Ang was a werewolf. But at least she's not a golem, and golems can't talk for themselves. So we don't know who the hell they think they're above. They don't <laughs> see themselves as above anyone. That's the whole thing about them. But um, yeah, it's this is the first Discworld book that I feel like has something actually interesting to say about fantasy racism outside of well it's clearly bad yeah uh, yeah or alternately it's completely justified and i think everybody should think that like they did in interesting times um it, it's, yeah, it's, ex- it, it's extremely interested in kind of the idea of like what's dividing these people why and who's actually responsible for it mm-hmm. this book hates the upper class so much I love God, it. It's so it's, does. It's it's wild seeing Vimes, who it still has his prejudice against the undead, but he's willing to be anti-racist out of spite. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Go go hire some vampires right now with such a good no, no, bit. Go hire some oh, zombies. We gotta get some he, zombies he, he in here. Line of vampires. Oh, right, right. No vampires. But he, he, he was okay zombies. with hiring some zombies. We'll get and to even we, later. Like, spoiler alert. Uh, vampires get into the watch later, so even that's not like set in stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this book, it's interesting that vamp like vampire in this book is very much the old school literary tradition of vampire, where they are a stand-in for the undying, inhuman desires of the nobility. They are mm-hmm. uh, exactly what you're scared of from an aristocrat. It's somebody who. Uh, comes from a long, long lineage and uh, sees themselves as just inherently superior to you and basically sees other people as cattle, as tools to an end. Which uh, I love the villain in this book. I God. love what a shitty little asshole he is. I love I love the reveal at the end that his entire thing is just he sees all of Ankh Morpork as his personal breeding project and mm-hmm. he's mad that Carrot's dating a werewolf. Like, the stupidest yeah. fucking pettiest reason. But he doesn't care, because he's in the upper class. It's, it doesn't matter to him. He doesn't have there, to care about any yeah. of this. He, there's one little it's aside even... there that where it makes it point out that he actually would be kind of interested to see what would happen. But because no, he feels like nobody else would, he's just not even going to entertain the notion. Yeah, it's it's not even like he has aspirations of power because what else could he possibly want in life? He mm-hmm. is in the perfect situation for him to keep going and continuing whatever he does forever. So this is literally yeah. just a weird, petty bullshit thing yeah. that he's willing to poison the fucking 
uh, patrician over. Right. He, he doesn't it's just boggles the mind. He doesn't need any more power. He already has it because he's in the upper class. In the previous mm-hmm. books, there was this idea of like, well, we need a king to do all this stuff. But here it's like, I don't care about that because I, I'm already like as powerful as I need to be. I, I'm a rich fucking vampire. Instead, mm-hmm. I'm just doing this for dumb, petty reasons because I hate you. Huh. <sighs> He sucks. And, and also because he's an immortal eugenicist. Yeah, like, no, he is an immortal yeah. eugenicist. An immortal eugenicist obsessed with puns. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, which, which yeah. If, if you weren't convinced by the immortal eugenicist thing, I mean, the puns thing, that should really be the nail in the coffin. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, I, I, will, I will admit, I, I put down the book and groaned when, like, oh, it's a Poisson lamp. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I again, I said I, off air that I wish they hadn't explained that one. I yeah. wish it had ended at Vimes just going, you son of a bitch, you put that in front of me thinking I wouldn't catch it, and you were right. <laughs> mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, I had, I, I think that, that that was funny, but I think the bit where, like, Vimes translates it into uh, the, the art brought forth a candle in Latin, it's... Um, Oh god, where was it? I love it, that I can hear it, so many bookmarks in that. Like it has anthrax in there, right? That's the or No, no, it arsenic. was uh it's arsenic, yeah. Yo, yeah, yeah, here it is. Uh arsenixia or arsenixa est candelum. Arsenixa. Oh, it, it is there we a go. Latin pun, which is even worse than a regular pun. Yep. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's that was a fucking groaner. And like I love it like one thing I will say in relation to that about just like the book craft of this story, this is this is maybe the most tightly jigsawed together Discworld mm-hmm. book I think we've read yeah. yet. Everything that came up early on in the book came up for a reason. Even the mm-hmm. stupid jokes still had a reason in the later parts of the book. Mm-hmm. Whereas, a- you know, we've... T- We've talked at length about how, like, you know, in so many Terry Pratchett books, like, the ending just comes out of nowhere, plot threads don't go anywhere, jokes sort of just land. It's like, this one, it was like a Swiss watch. Everything locked together with everything else. Early on, there's, a character, cool. there's a character who uh, talks about uh, losing his job at the candle factory to a golem. And when he asks what his job is, he's, he's an end teaser. <laughs> oh, oh my god <laughs> which is which is funny until you realize that that's actually the plot of the entire book yeah uh, it's uh, i was it, thinking it, about i was also thinking about uh the whole like detritus raiding igneous the trolls uh pottery place and also mm-hmm. erstwhile uh drug running outfit early on in the book and it's like that was a that was a neat scene, but it really you're in the you're in it and you're like, oh, this is just a way to illustrate like uh, working conditions for golems and what golems are, and this is probably isn't going to come up again until it does way later on in the book yeah. when we have to bring Dorfel back to life. There is uh, there is a load bearing footnote at one point where they're saying that. Uh, it's like a multiversal thing that every policeman thinks that they can identify a drug by tapping it with their finger and then licking licking it off the fingertip. 
and then much much later on the you know detritus does that with a statue full of slab and goes Mm -hmm. wait did i just oh (laughs) yeah yeah so the room's not actually full of spiders right carrot actually (laughs) carrot actually does it too with the sugar (laughs) yeah no that's what that's what makes it come up yeah Mm -hmm. it's 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 very it's very tightly wound. It's also actually a pretty good mystery. Um, yeah. yeah. Like, they give you the what's going on at the beginning. Uh, this guy is trying to decide to make Nobby king for some baffling reason. So the book isn't who's the bad guy. It's the shithead. It's obvious at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. what's really going on. What's the further mm-hmm. mystery? Why are the golems involved? It's all of the other pieces. And seeing them come together is actually really fun. Yeah, it's really good yeah. seeing, like, Vimes approach the end of his wick as he puts it more and more together and you're figuring out figuring out alongside him. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like it, and this book had a lot of, like, it's, we were talking about this earlier on where sometimes Pratchett writes like he's, like, describing, uh, like he's describing a movie or something. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very, mm-hmm. like, he describes what would be, like, sight gags or whatever in a movie, which are weird to do in a book, but he really sells them, like... There's a number of them that are really good, but the one that really stuck with me was like when they're when they think that someone's poisoning the food as it goes up in the dumbwaiter. <laughs> Vimes is like he's talking to Carrot or whatever, and he's like, "Okay, yo, okay, so you're holding the tray and you've got the stuff on it and the condiments and like yo, they're just imagining all this stuff." And then like, "Okay, I got it." And then Carrot like looks for a place to set down his imaginary tray. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Or the God. gag of, no, sir, you just picked you just picked up the imaginary pepper. Yeah, <sighs> it's, uh, it's really funny too. Like, uh, I, yeah, I really love this book. I, I just I do want to also add on with the 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 weird jarring cinematography. Dorfel goes on this fucking drug trip when he eats his receipt, mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm the weird nonsense imagery actually works really well in that context because it reads like nothing else in the book. And it, I mean, this is the part that would be animated in a live action an- yeah, adaptation Yeah, because this part, this part makes is impossible to properly describe as like his entire worldview slash head slash entire state of being explodes around him. And he's forced to put it together like some kind of Dr. Manhattan. That was such yeah. a cool segment. It really was like, it felt like the story was really kicking into high gear after that. That was really cool, uh, and it really, it really, it really stands out in a book that's otherwise very grounded in reality and detective work and like keeping, keeping shit kind of stuck firmly within the real. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It makes me excited for future ventures into the cosmic, considering that Terry is this good of a writer now. I, also, if you wanted more proof, this book was like a lot more filmic. You could say L Space points out that the whole scene in the Candle Factory is a shot-for-shot remake of the end of Terminator Two. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, no, that, that whole scene is just a ton yeah, of Terminator yeah. Two oh, and Terminator One. God was putting still like, together, hanging well, over the. Oh, yeah, I mean, there was Dorfel a outright does yeah. a RoboCop reference at the end. I yeah. was gonna say. Undead or alive, you are coming with me. There's not like just so that. Many State your rules. This. Serve the public yeah. trust. Defend the innocent. Prodars. 
seriously prod buttock. It, it's... Terry Pratchett is still an absolute doofus, even if he's gotten very good at what he does. Yeah. I, I will say, I, I find that... I, I do love how grounded this book is in its mystery, though. Like, the mystery for a good portion of the book is just pretty obvious. How is mm-hmm. the patrician being poisoned? How is that happening? And they go through all of these theories that are mostly oh, yeah. taken and, from and other from mystery life. books. Like, there's a, there's a recurring... Uh, like joke about how like man all the rooms that the patrician stays in have this horrible looking green wallpaper what's up with that where in real life a lot of people back in the victorian era got arsenic poisoning from green wallpaper there was a very specific color of green that was made using arsenic uh that's when river napoleon died yeah 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 i have a book about it uh bitten by witch fever that has a bunch of uh, reproductions, not actual wallpaper p- samples, but like reproductions of wallpaper from the period and what was trendy at the time with notes on uh, how these led to mysterious slow poisonings across the entire country of Britain. Uh, uh, okay, so I now know for a fact that Britain has covered their walls in lead paint, arsenic mm-hmm. paper, and dead mummies. Is there any... <laughs> yeah. Are there, are there uh, any other weird, illicit substances that they killed themselves with that I should know about? Did you ever see that one thread about, um, like, why a lot of British houses have separate taps for hot and cold water? And it's because, like, you can't trust the hot water to be clean because there might be dead rats floating in your hot water tub and you might give yourself Legionnaire's disease. I you actually did know that tap. one. Also, uh... They used to use horsehair to uh, build up the interior of walls before we had drywall. So uh, I guess if you're allergic to dander, that could be a problem, too. I, I guess. That, I'm sorry. That one's not nearly as weird as as using mummies. So Yeah. Yeah. It's it's something. Yeah, it's uh, something. I'm, I'm sure this is a lifelong <laughs> journey I'm on. I mean, oh, yeah. Like, the thing about... It's the fall in London problem where, like, they'll yeah. describe, like, something fucked up. Like, oh, yeah, we're eating jellied eels, but that's just something they do in England. No, eel pie was a common low, low, yeah. low-class low food. They make jokes about that in Final Fantasy XIV, for fuck's sake. Yeah. England is stranger than fiction. It's yes. a fact. Yes. Yeah. Ealing is real? <laughs> <sighs> but, yeah. I... It's a it's a good mystery. It's it's pretty solid in the like trying to figure it out. Also, I think thematically it works really well with Mrs. God, Easy. Yeah. That yeah. kind of being a moment of realization and also bringing the book from this sort of like vague, oh, something bad might be happening to Vetinari to this immediate yes. this is mm-hmm. murder. Vimes this just goes ballistic for the rest of the book. And, and that's like, well, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's great because like... Yeah, and God, it's like, so good. There's a bit where he's talking to the candle guy, Mr. Carey, and he's like, okay, like, he's like, you can't charge me. The, 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 the patrician hasn't even died yet. And then Vimes is like, I mean, sure, the patrician has hasn't died, and that's really kind of a side thing. But this this old lady and this kid down on Cockbill Street, they died from these candles, and that makes this a murder investigation. And the guy's like, Oh, were they anyone important? Or no, it was he was talking to Carrot, and Carrot was like, Carrot's like, Wow, 
You know, yeah, I almost felt sorry for you for a second. It's a good thing you didn't say that to Vimes because he would have yeah. killed you right there. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. The dra- Dragon King of Arms actually says like a very similar thing. I think this conversation yeah. basically yeah. happens each with like upper crust people Vimes is just and just yeah. being like and like both in it. terms of old money and also like the nouveau riche like like rich merchant owners class. I think it happens yeah. with the guy in basically the the sweatshop as well. Um, yeah, yeah, because like, in, in case you didn't realize this book is about class, there you go. <laughs> yep. <sighs> oh, I'm trying. I'm trying to find the specific, uh, the specific thing that. Yeah, no. There's a there's a moment that's just a, uh, 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 Vimes talking to Carrot. It's people are dead, Captain. Mrs. Easy's dead, Carrot. Who, sir? Vimes, you've never heard of her? Carrot, can't say that I have, sir. What did she used to do? Vimes, do? Nothing, I suppose. She just brought up nine kids in a couple of rooms you couldn't stretch out in, and she sewed shirts for tuppence an hour, and every hour the bloody gods sent, and all she did was work and keep to herself, and she is dead, Captain. And so is her grandson, aged 14 months, because her granddaughter took them some grub from the palace. Bit of a treat for them. You know what? She thought I was going to arrest her for theft at the damned funeral, for God's sake. It's murder now. Not assassination, not politics. It's murder. Yeah. He's so fucking mad about that in this way that just yeah. resonates is, in the book. This is why Sam Vimes would not last five minutes as a police officer in our real-ass life. Because pointedly... He is not in it to protect the interests of the rich landowning classes. He is in it to protect, like, the fucking people. Yeah. The interests of the city. Yeah, he even says, like, you know... Cough, cough. This is what the entire book Nightwatch is specifically about. Yeah, he even says something like, you know... Look, you're all bastards, but I figure, yeah, I figure the rich and powerful have a good nest, so I gotta put my finger on the scale the other way. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I do want to just take a moment to point out here the fact that Mrs. Easy is somebody that Carrot didn't know. This is yeah. like the only time in the entire book yeah. that's going to happen, in the entire series that's going to happen. She kept to herself to such a degree that she never met Carrot. The way that the way that Vimes talks about that entire just like Cockbill Street in general and all of this stuff, it's yeah. really, really that- well written and really... It feels like kind of the meaningful. most British thing in this book in a particularly personal and tragic way. Not as in a joke way, but as in like, yeah. oh man, this is probably like, this is this is probably, I don't know, Terry, the, I don't know what Terry's situation was growing up, but it felt like it was like writing either from experience or from like other people's experiences. But like the idea of like, we are extremely destitute, but we are so proud that we will never admit that we we have got to keep a stiff upper lip on this shit even in the face of reality uh and that's what makes it more heartbreaking when other people treat those people like they're disposable this is like in the sweatshop thing where like they're talking to the owner of this sweatshop and he, and like you know they he keeps golems around to turn the treadmills for the sewing machines but he uses people to sew and he's like oh yeah they're from cockbill street they'll work they'll work for cheap there right? they're happy to get the jobs you know they'll they they're 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 happy to be here and like it's so like the amount 
that the ruling class just doesn't see these people as anything other than grist for the mill is so nakedly apparent. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, and it's interesting that, like, this book kind of doesn't... This book isn't nearly as mean about just, like, random people in Ankh mm-hmm. Ork as the previous ones are. The, the, the shitty people of this book mm-hmm. are yeah. the rich every single time. They're the people who own the stores. They're the people who own the factories. They're the people who go to the fancy fucking balls and all that stuff. It's always them. It's never just like, oh, yeah, no, well, everyone sucks, actually. And it gets into vibes of that at times. There's still stuff of this book to criticize, for sure. But, like, the point of the book the the arrow of anger is almost always pointed directly yeah. like, at the people i, in I was charge. thinking this, like a, a lesser book would spend like a lot more time while it's like well you know are the golems really people but like no like he gets it right away like he knows what he's talking about mm. like the answer is obviously <sighs> yes yeah uh yeah the answer is yes from the beginning and People are weird about it, mostly because they are also being mistreated yeah. or because yeah. they're There's rich fuckers. There's a very suck. brief mention about malicious compliance. Yeah, about how the the golems, you know, that have this reputation of just doing a task and doing it endlessly, and saying, you know, they probably know what they're doing here. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. they're not stupid. They they know that you didn't want to dr- dr- dig a trench from their from your front yard into the nearest ocean. But you didn't tell them not to do that, and you didn't. You treat these pe- you treat them like property. So, yeah. you know, when those, <laughs> yeah. when the only words you give them are orders, then that's going to be how they push back in their own little way, whether consciously or unconsciously. It, yeah, it's like all, when you yeah. you work them twenty four hours a day, telling them to push this thing, or they mentioned some of them it like sealed up in walls or whatever. Yeah, like, you know, God. Or like, you know, I wait through this poison all day or whatever. And then, yeah, and then you get one that, you know, makes 500 tables and nails 17 legs on each of them, you know. I, it, I wrote malicious complaints in my notes. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. and it just, it, it gets brought up briefly and then just completely dropped. And, I don't know, it, I, I, just, I just lost where I was going with that. But... it's interesting the whole the whole like carrot is so immediately on the side of the golems like it's almost instantly as soon as he can he wants to see dorful freed and embrace himself as soon as dorful comes into the office basically it's (sighs) yeah no, what I, what I was going yeah. to mention was the fact that the golems bring up holy days and you have to let them go do whatever they, whatever there is they're doing. Because, you know, it's a religion that nobody remembers and you know, you, we have no idea what their schedule is. And it's very, very clear that the, the golems are using this to conspire between themselves. Mm-hmm. Conspire is oh, probably yeah. the wrong word, but that's what yeah. that's how they were getting time off to go build their golem king which oh hey a mm-hmm. bunch of people want a king and they get it and everything gets a lot worse weird that can't be a metaphor for something else in this book yo that mm-hmm. happened that almost happened twice in this book which is wild exactly like 
I, I dearly appreciate that Nobby's yeah. entire rationale was, I can't do that. Vibes would go spare. Yeah. yeah. A, Vibes would kill me. B, every anytime someone offers me something that sounds good, it's a trick. No, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like bullshit. You could have him executed, though. Yeah, but then he'd be even more mad. Are you kidding me? Uh, that was great. I. This book also actually oh. made me cry. Uh, the scene where yeah, one no, of the that dolls was kills itself. Yeah. Oh. Headbreaking first. That that is it's genuinely really. It's genuinely really, really rough to see just overall. And the way it's framed is actually written really well with the just kind of like slowly realizing what's happening as people The revelation that all of the golems have like some sort of sort of a low-level hive mind. Like they all feel more or less what the others do. And they're all connected together with their golem king. So they know how much it's suffering, and then they realize that it, that it caused those murders. And yeah, they they just decide to off themselves because what the hell else can you do when you realize you've screwed up that far? Yeah, they put and, all their hope into one person, yeah. into one hero, and that hero uh, started murdering people because it was suffering so hard because it couldn't bear the weight of all those hopes. Yeah. That's terrifying. It's yeah, awful. No, it's, and like the whole thrust of the book yeah. is like, like ultimately what Dorfel realizes isn't just that like, oh, I don't need to listen to anybody. It was you cannot trust someone else to save you. You have to put your fate into your own hands. That is the definition of freedom. I was going to say not everybody's ready for that definition of freedom. Not everybody is willing to throw off their shackles and shit and just run straight into it. But that's what it is. Yeah. Like, like it's, it's not just about, it's not just like, about like, yeah, workers of the world unite. It's like on an inherent level of free will. It's like, you need to understand that this is, this is your responsibility now. We can't. We can't wait for somebody to come save us. This is our problem. Yeah. yeah. Un, under almost any other circumstance, the the fact that Dorfel's plan is that he's just he's going to buy he, he's going to buy another golem. Then the two of them are going to go buy a third golem. Then the three of them are going to go buy a fourth golem. Under almost any other circumstances, the idea of a race buying its way out of slavery would just be trite and just very hard to swallow. But it's mm-hmm. presented here of like. That's really the only real way forward. If they're property, then they're going to have yeah. to. Then they're going to have to do fix this the normal way. Normal, mm-hmm. you know what and I mean. And the only yeah. the only way they can do it too is like Dorfel's the first golem who's going to get paid, and he makes a point like, "You will pay me double. I can work twenty four hours a day, never tiring, never ceasing." You know, it's like yeah. I I am a I am a valuable asset for your organization. Have you seen my resume? He could have pushed for three. He could have pushed for triple. Yeah. He's yeah, doing he, oh, three yeah, he's eight hour shifts. shifts a day. But yeah, I don't. Yeah, I sort of doubt shifts. that there's an eight hour system in so, Ankh-Morpork. 
there's there there's a lot that you could talk about with the whole we're going to buy ourselves out of slavery because it's not perfect it's, it's not great yeah. but it is easy to take it in this particular context yeah there there's there's yeah i think that's the biggest thing is that in this specific context of him being like i want to do this the way that it happened to me in this fair way that like it yeah. makes sense for them i it's it's something that i'm more mixed on on this look than i was before but like also it comes at this moment of kind of just like him having this moment of triumph where i'm going to do it yeah, that i think that, it that's my point it's like i would not take this under nearly yeah. any other circumstance mm-hmm. like the the golems just have a price yeah. tag on their head the, the price tag is something they've kind of had to live with their entire existence so obviously when he when he's only had a couple hours to think about it his first thought is well i just gotta go make that price tag now don't i yeah i just gotta mm-hmm. keep doing this this seemed like it worked pretty well mm-hmm. yeah yeah it i don't know it, it i think it works here and also yeah. i just love dorfel in this book so much I, i'm glad I love he, everything he does he achieves sentience and i love how he becomes a red much of a snarky asshole he is. <laughs> Yeah, it's so okay. funny. Yeah, but Constable Visit so is so funny. hype I love about the joke it. You can't like, tell him to stop. They're so good. It's for each so other. funny. I, okay, the be- really the best part about that is the fucking golden apple he throws at the end. He yeah. says, "I'm on duty right now, but if someone would like to talk to me when I'm off duty, which, haha, he's never off duty. Yeah. Get it? But." I will happily debate with the best one of your gods. Yeah, yeah and yeah. just whoever, boom. Whoever has the best religion is is free to talk to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, My schedule is very booked. I can uh, only make time for one. He's he's really really kind of a snarky asshole yeah, for a lot of the or, book. He just can't show it, obviously. And then at the end, when he's very able to show it, and all of the stuff he does from the whole, like, his entire conversation where he's, like, uh, with Dragon King of Arms, where he's like, I could kill you right now, but yeah. it is my moral choice to not to, so yeah. I decide not to. Or, like, my but, own volition. tells him so to do funny. something, he's it's like, so I'm doing this of my own free will. I agree with you that it is a good idea. I'm not doing it because you told me. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Oh. I love this boy. Also, I need to point out just... The moment that he comes out of the oven after being put back together, Vimes immediately gives this dude a personal pronoun. Yeah! Dorfel is he from that second forward, even if everybody else keeps saying it. Yep. Now, Mm -hmm. why do they call it oven when you clay in of the oven of out, of out, out, eat the Dorfel? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Grace. Uh, uh, I had to come up at some point. I'm I'm kind of in awe of that. Uh, okay, but yeah, I love him. I honestly, the the there's a moment of a uh, when he's unconscious with no chem, where after the other dwarf kills himself, where it just says the like the thoughts echoed in his hollow head, clay of my clay, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not die, and ah, oh, that that is one of my favorite lines from a Discworld book. So fucking evocative and good, and I, I fucking love this it's book. So cool. and I love him. I'm, ah. Yeah, a lot of a lot of pronoun action going on oh. in this book. A lot yeah. of talk about pronouns. Yeah. a lot of 
A lot of big pronouns. Finally yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I, I underlined cheery trans at least twice in my notes because, like, I mean, it's it, like not even subtext. It's just okay. text. Yeah. Like I, again, is, Pratchett uh, didn't know this at the time. Yeah, he did like, not write that. Know that he was writing just like the archetypical, uh, like the biggest cluster of transfem stereotypes. Yeah, because like. A weird thing is, like, early on in the book, there's a whole, there's, like, a weird joke about, like, well, you know, Fednar is pretty good. At least he's not that last Patricia that wore a dress. Yeah, there's a second one later about Lady Salachi giving her gardener old clothes. And you go, yeah, we always kind of wondered about that gardener. Which, yeah. that I guess that one's okay, because, like, you're not, you're just saying, huh, that seems a little bit weird. But, which, fine, whatever. But, yeah, it's, it comes up twice in the same book. But, yeah, okay. that was very odd. And it was like, Terry, do you realize, like, like, is there, like, a lobe of your brain that's separate from the rest of your brain that's writing like, this? Because, like, I, again, like Cherry is trans. Like, he, here's the thing about, like, I think every British comedian has the transphobia lobe just because it's such a <laughs> fucking part of their culture and it takes a lot of yeah. work to, like, kill the transphobia lobe in your mind. <laughs> it's uh. weird. We hate to say it, but uh, it's called Turf Island for yeah. a, like, like a genetic anatomical reason. Like every, every British man above a certain age has this like has like man in dress is funny like tattooed on their brain. I mean, I think I think a lot of that is. Wow, that yeah. there is a I mean, cultural yeah, it, this, history. This was not yeah, no. To be serious, it's, it's a it's a cultural historical yeah. thing, not not an inherent thing. Obviously, yeah, no. I am, I am. Yeah, yeah no, I just it, it, it is it is a complex joke. thing. You could dive into the history of. No, yeah. but we have to say that we're joking because we don't want people taking the we don't want people tearing us apart for this. Like two or three I, years <laughs> later, somehow. I was speak. I was be. I was doing <laughs> phrenology on all British men. I didn't realize you all were. T- <laughs> Uh, uh, but i i uh it is it's interesting because i i mean it feels in some ways like cheery was sort of kind of meant to be that in certain ways and it isn't instead it's just trance it's just lots and lots of bits of someone being trans sympathy we're relating to her yeah yeah it it just keeps getting more and more trans yeah. Including like, with yeah. Angla, honestly? like even the fucking line about like screaming your new name to the heavens or whatever. Christ, I'm tearing yeah. up now. No, knowing that you can oh, do it no, at yeah. a whisper is important. Christ, <sighs> uh, like again, Pratchett didn't know this at the time. He uh, he didn't. It, that thought yeah. never entered his head until some trans folks said, "Hey, I really like Sherry." That's uh, and he he went, "Oh, huh? I didn't think about that, but yeah. hey, good on ya." Uh, he also didn't have a clue that when he was writing that the undead bar was absolutely just a gay bar, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, no that 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 entire look, honestly that entire segment reads so much to me like older person with very complex gender stuff coaching along more yeah. like binary mm. trans woman who is still got some mm-hmm. fucked up opinions but is like trying things for the first yeah. time and you care about oh, her yeah. so much yeah. and you want her to be okay Werewolf even when it's can complicated. also be a gender 
It, yeah. it really fits look, that. Look, hold, yeah. Okay, hold up a second. Yeah. I gotta say this because I came into the furry fandom and I got all my cases of the genders from the furry fandom through transformation stuff. Yeah. I, I, I think I know one cis werewolf person. Precisely yeah. one. Especially, forgot, forgot. To, I thought it was two, but one of them turned out to be trans recently. Yeah. Whoops. I, I think I know at least half a dozen trans werewolves. Like, shout yeah. outs to Cups I mean, of Jade, by the way. Lit, I'm fucking proud of you. Hell yeah! I didn't know that. Fuck yeah! Whoa! She, she's been way more about open that. about. She's been super open about it on co-host recently. That's the only reason oh, I'm, I'm willing to say yeah, that on girl. the air. Air, oh, but... that's so nice! Congratulations! Yeah. Love Yay. wins. Love fucking wins. But uh, you could argue is what happens in this book as well. Yes. Yeah. But no, look, Angua is like concentrated gender envy for me. Yeah. So yeah. like, I. Mm-hmm. Ugh, yeah. I, I'm going to stop myself. She's. She's she's really great in this book as someone for Cheery to play off of and Cheery's entire thing of just like. I want to be a girl and such. It's really good. It makes Carrot look really weird and an asshole. It this really like really way that doesn't yeah, fit. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird, especially because the rest of the book is Carrot is the one person willing to hear out like the idea of Golem. It is very weird to see Carrot uh, be kind of a piece of shit. Like that's a that's a new flex. And part of me is kind of like, well, it's it's nice that he's not entirely perfect, you know? He just, he, yeah. he still is, like, he can still be a fucking asshole sometimes. We, he still, still, have to un- we still have to unlearn old habits. Yeah, and, like, and, like, especially for him, he's in, like, kind of a wharf situation where he's not, he's not genetically a dwarf, but he is culturally a dwarf, and he tries to carry that dwarfishness into his modern, like... Hmm view of of the world so like yeah he's gonna have fucking old-fashioned ideas about like dwarf genders but the problem with that like it's one of those like equations where like the only way to solve it is well yeah he would probably be a fucking asshole about this until somebody who was maybe a little bit more wiser was like hey it's weird how you like how you're totally down to like empathize and relate to like every single citizen in the city except for the ones who want to trans their gender in a way you don't like that's kind of weird right that's kind of odd right yeah and like i mean he hasn't i mean the idea of okay we're we're doing that we're doing the thing where we're mixing up sex and gender again because the idea is that yes dwarves know that there are two sexes but they only have one gender as far as yeah their society is concerned that's the Mm -hmm. real reason why i think he's tripping up is because you're trying you're you're not just telling him to believe that there's that women exist you're telling him (laughs) that there's an entire other dimension to dwarves he didn't know existed Mm. Like, and this plays into, unintentionally otherwise, we're like, yeah, the whole book has this arc about Angua, like, trying to work up the courage to leave, how to leave Carrot, and part of it is her just being like, he's too fucking perfect. Like, if he would just, like, do a police brutality, or, like, you know, like, have one, do one shitty selfish thing, I would like him a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> They'll, they'll come back to this yeah, in the fifth elephant. There's a lot I, of I, I don't know. We'll track see. laid down here that they will roll on. Like, the fifth element definitely feels like a 
direct sequel to this book insofar as like it's the next one in the watch series but it also definitely feels oh Jingo doesn't Jingo's count next. <laughs> i forgot about Jingo. well yeah uh fifth elephant feels like a sequel to this book it feels like feet of clay too okay it, um, is it called the fifth Ele- elephant because it's a play on the fifth element yes that's part of the joke uh it absolutely is and i never realized that until <laughs> this conversation right here until until hearing Iris say it out loud, I was like, "Yeah, oh, no, uh, oh, that's this is, this, I'm element. only saying this yeah. bit because it's on the back of the book. There was a fifth elephant that crashed into the Discworld, and under Uberwald, there are literally like fat mines and the like because they're literally digging up the corpse of the fifth elephant." Mm-hmm. Yeah, but 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 no, I only yep. now realized it's a fifth element reference, which is mostly because I never watched the movie as a kid until like recently. Because you just, yeah, you just I didn't just have that available to you. That you just weird conservative parents. Yeah. You were you were deprived you were deprived of a lot of that, things. Huh, a classic movie is one is one of the more minor ones. Yeah. Good good job, Pratchett. I didn't realize that, Joe. I hope I hope people are figuring out my puns. Yeah, it, years after I die. Yeah, it's living the dream. Yeah, good legacy to have. Yeah. <laughs> legacy of every now and then someone goes oh god damn it yeah exactly <laughs> ultimate making people smack their own foreheads from beyond the grave they're still groaning at you you're not truly dead I mean I really love Dorful and the entire Gollum subplot and the entire way it's just kind of about like not just their sentience but their position as mm-hmm. an exploited class love all that what y'all think of what y'all think of the Navi subplot? Like I said, every bit of this story exists to help other parts. So like, it's not like there was any part of it that was extraneous or anything. Uh, that being said, uh, Navi was a distraction. It was very Nobby. funny that they're describing that when they're describing that they need you know a puppet monarch, that they're very clearly describing current British royalty, mm-hmm. like. We need somebody to wave at crowds, to go to state dinners, to receive foreign guests. Yeah, exactly. There, it's just the, very clearly we just need some neutered figurehead while we do the actual work. I it, I think that entire thing relies a lot on you finding Nobby is a weird asshole who sucks mm-hmm. funny. Yeah, which I which I which I don't really find that that funny. It, it's it's not okay. not the funniest. I of still his jokes. I came out of this one still not really sure. Do you? Think that he actually was from a noble line? I I thought uh, I thought the punchline was no, because like, you know, he has because like when he mentions like you know, I'm kind of sad I told him about the ring. I'm not gonna tell about you know the tiara and so on. I interpreted that as you know, yeah, my family's stolen a lot of shit. I feel like it could have been my family stole a lot of shit, or yeah, it could have yeah. been I had all of this shit yeah. too because we definitely right. were. Uh, royal. Let, let, me, let me propose it something really, really, say on really awful. Nobby as the sort of collective result of like all these ancient royal families sort of like colliding together. Oh, yeah, like, like a like, super Habsburg. Yeah, and yeah. that's why it's hard oh, to God. even define him as human. That oh there is a like they do get into this in the book where like there's even a lie about like the last king of wherever was tr- was trying to inbreed with himself. That's a that mm. that's huh. Well, <laughs> yeah, have fun you know, with that. Luck, Don't Nobby. get injured. I will I, say. I, I will say. As much as I didn't, as much as I didn't find a lot of that that funny, there were moments that I thought were pretty funny. Uh, 
the the entire thing of like colon getting out of the situation with his lordship has decided that drinks are on him was a pretty good bit and i will say the ending with them revealing the plot and nobby just losing it going vimes and go spare i can't do that he'll cut off my head that was that was funny that was actually funny i am so relieved we did not get a twist in the book that was like by the way nobby is king now i'm so relieved that terry has had the foresight to be like no, we can't do another book where we have a new king. That's we've we've done that. We played that trick too many times already. We can't do it again. Nobby refuses. And later, while there's this huge horde of livestock milling around in the streets, he runs into the Yudas goat from the slaughterhouse, and he's like, "Oh yeah, you're also a a weird little fucked up guy who's meant to lead all the other cattle into the slaughter." <laughs> I feel you, man. You and me, we are as one. It's pretty funny. And I I just find the entire sequence of them trying to be like, well, well, don't don't worry. Like, I mean, it won't be an issue. Obviously, we can handle all of this. We we could have him executed and all the stuff that, like, conceivably they could maybe do. And Nobby just, like, single-handedly focused. (laughs) Kill him. He'd go spare. Like, it's a pretty good bit of just, I can't even imagine a world in which... Yeah. Now, that I want to put forth a, a very important point here, because it even comes up in the book that the like the head of the Lawyers Guild will, refuses to actually die until he gets like his disbursement from some trivial case of yeah. he was running his own defense or whatever. That doesn't matter. The important thing here is that if you kill somebody on the Discworld, they might not fall over. Yeah. You could mm-hmm. very easily like, imagine a headless yeah. Captain Vimes running around the city, killing every last fucking noble and burning the palace down uh, before yeah, like, he before he lets death take him away. Yeah, like, oh, zombies right. are a thing. Undead like, Vimes. They've been a thing for you know quite some time. Like, uh, and like you, all you, you need is somebody with enough of a reason to stay alive. Like, I wonder if Vimes would have enough of a reason like, to stay alive, like some sort of burning anger or something. Like, and, oh, and you Vimes, Vimes could not imagine. You know Vimes, Vimes was the stand, levels. You know Vimes would stand right back up, put his head back on, and like you know, express some kind of disdain at being you know the undead he's racist against. Okay, scratch scratch what I said earlier. Vimes would punch Death's own head off, grab his scythe, and he'd run around using that to cut down the entire upper class. <laughs> It's uh, it is it is very good how uh, like early on we find out that Vimes is the yeah you know, back when we had kings Vimes is great great whatever was the discs Cromwell yeah mm-hmm. uh, killed the last king and then everyone realized nobody liked which, him so they killed him too yeah though they they do leave out the part where the real Cromwell was like I'm not a king but also. Lord Protector of the Hereditary Office, which does go to my son. Yeah, it was... Yeah, Cromwell was just a, kind of a making nice a pass at the, at the big cat, the big chair, more than trying to make things better. Uh, I'm not a British history expert, though. Again, it, we, we would have guest stars if we, if we like, spent time doing yeah. meetings and planning this shit instead of it just being four friends fucking around for a couple yeah. of hours a month. Yeah, like, if we had Big Shot Patreon money, we could afford to do that, but, you know. So, you know, dear listener. (laughs) We don't have a Patreon. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I specifically did not want money to get involved in this. Yeah. 
Yeah, don't support us on yeah. Patreon because yeah. we don't want to put. Don't in support that us on Patreon because none of us made a Patreon. This However, this give us money. Moves. Just you should just send, send us money, us money. and we'll just, keep uh, doing this. Just, and your money will go to other things. Yeah, just just send money to us mm-hmm. directly. Uh, no questions. Just yeah. give me specifically yeah. give me money, or you know, uh, online. We got Steam yeah. wish lists. They're out there. Anyways, um, yeah, it's. It's good. What were some other things yeah, in this book I, that you liked? I liked that personally, uh, and I know probably nobody else is going to say they like this, but I, for one, liked that Corporal Colon got to have a big action sequence. It wasn't a dignified one, but he did get to do a lot in this book, yeah. which was very exciting. And he helped solve the mystery a little bit, too. He got the help. He he got to he got mm. to do a thing. Good for him. Good for he him. He didn't just have him. to be a punchline. I mean, he was yeah. mostly a punchline during the whole thing. Yeah. But he got to do something. Yeah. He got kidnapped. We got to meet Wee Mad yeah. Arthur, who we will see eventually again. Yeah. He uh, got kidnapped. And who is? Or jumped at least. <laughs> I love that we get confirmation that gnomes exist, and also that they are the angriest people on the face of the earth. Yeah. This is That's it. Great. This is important. It will come up later. Yeah, which makes sense. You ever met like a tiny dog? <laughs> same principle. Yeah, yeah, basically same. I, I think I'm going to add that particular yeah. definition of nut that they use to the weird Britishisms I had to look up for this for this book count. Because I'm sorry, we Mad Arthur is trying to nut that bull. <laughs> oh yeah. Wait, like I assume you. Okay, what does it mean uh, in this context then? Damn dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's like headbutting. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. like like your head's a nut. Okay, you're busting. Conk him on yeah, the nut. Okay. I mean, yeah, he's trying yes. to crack that nut. Yeah, it, not. I'm going to be honest. I didn't actually look bowl. it up, but I I have to assume from context because the alternative yeah. is yeah. really not <laughs> say for a book that's recommended as I mean, all ages. Okay, I mean, it is. I mean, it, it, it is a British. It does explicitly mean headbutt. Like this book has a damn six six inch penis joke in there, among other things. Like, yeah. God, the amount of or work they go to to try to humor. They try to so hard to humor Nobby, and some of them almost like it. I I don't know. I'm thinking of all this stuff. There's there's a lot of moments in this disc world in this book that feel very kind of close to what I imagine Discworld as. The, the The characters here feel a lot more formed to the point of who I think of them as, like. When I think of Vimes, this is the Vimes I think of with the way that he's an asshole to everyone but the nobility far, far more mm-hmm. than anyone else and always pointed the entire uh, the entire scene with the bottle yeah. of alcohol, him pouring it out. Yeah. Like that, that is one of the best moments of him in Discworld. Uh, him just getting them all with that and being so mad about it and the whole quote about like, no one's willing to help you figure out, like, for, there's no support group for being a policeman. You show up and go, oh, my name's Samuel Vibes, and I'm yeah. a really fucking suspicious bastard. I think that was, like, like th- 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 that's, literally that's in the paragraph stuff. below that, too, like, there, a Vimes, Vimes is like, I'm gonna need to ask somebody to uh, get the rug in my office replaced. I can't possibly work around the lingering uh, air of departed spirits. Yes, yeah. that, that is a joke is I go a back to fun. a lot. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Oh. God. 
it, it, it's very it's very funny it's very good it fits him Vetinari here is his like most I'm a bastard and I suck but also I'm absolutely with the yeah, vimes like, in basically every he, scenario on his side he figures out the like he figures out the poison plot well before vimes does but he you know he keeps it going so that vimes has something to do mm-hmm yeah, because he really wants Vibes to do all this stuff. The whole quote about, like, it occurs to me that if yeah. Vibes didn't exist, you would have to create him. Well, I th- rather think I did. Mm-hmm. Like, that that that's kind of the Ventinari I know. Ang was, like, being a weird, like, kind of s- sarcastic asshole, mm-hmm. but also wonderful in every way. Like, Cheery's here, Detritus is good, great. It has all the people that, like, what I think of the Discworld watch, this is, like... This is the stuff mm-hmm. that I think of. Yeah, like it, it's kind of the most fully like that's the thing. Scene, like though. we talk a lot about like oh Nightwatch, 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 good Nightwatch, best book, Nightwatch, wow. But like the thing about Nightwatch is one of the reasons it feels good is because it's a subversion of the formula. This book feels like the blueprint for a watch book, even though it's technically the third one yeah. in the series. And even though there will be worse watch books to come, uh, this one is like, oh, here's here's the waterline. Here's the standard. Put a piece of tape up on the wall. There it is. I'm sh- uh, I'm sure there is an alternate history, yeah. and it's not a bad one, but I guess I'm glad that we didn't get it, where Pratchett went on and wrote, like, 20 more books in this vein of these sort of, like, Discworld murder mysteries. Oh, and- yeah. That's again. I'm I, I'm glad he didn't, but it wouldn't necessarily be a dark timeline, because I imagine yeah, no. he could have he could have he could have cranked out a bunch of these, and they all still would have been great. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the fact that he decided to yeah. this... zoom out and explore other corners of the disc world is uh, a testament to his uh, flexibility. I mean, and his the fact that he bounces curiosity. around so much is a lot of how we've managed to do this podcast this far. Because we're not doing the same thing every time. We're doing something radically different every time, or at least we're cycling around enough. It, it, it's 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 genuinely, I don't know. This book is it's so good. on a related. It makes me happy. Oh. There, there's a lot of stuff in it that doesn't quite work, mm-hmm. but on a related note to that, there was uh, it was actually during Colin's specific escape sequence where there was like a bit where he's like hanging off the edge of like a roof. And he has to like swing his body around to grab a drain pipe, and he's like, "Oh, this sucks. I'm, I'm gonna be a chalk outline. I want. I always wanted to take up exercise. I didn't think it, it would have to be like right now." <laughs> and as I was reading it, I was like, "Wow, you know, if this were a book that was written maybe like even just like two or three books back in the line that we've done, there would be a it has to be a million to one shot joke mm-hmm. here." Uh, but there isn't. And that amount of restraint, I really respect. Because yeah. that joke was getting tired. Hmm. <sighs> he, he, yeah. he does good. So, it's a good speaking of that, did we uh, want to go to the rankings? Uh, well, I wanted to, before that, I just want to I want to say, like, is there anything that we didn't like in this book? Anything Like, I, I've been like, oh, this is the best book and everything. Is, is there stuff that y'all were just like... Uh, that kind of uh, I mean, did the, the whole, the whole bit where Vines has this a uh, an imp PDA that's a vessel for like Apple Newton jokes. Yeah, yeah. 
that does that doesn't go anywhere in well okay that that stupid pda is gonna come up again but you're never gonna be happy to see it like admittedly (laughs) the joke about like i can recognize handwriting yep that's handwriting was pretty funny but every other time was like i'm sure it was funnier in 1996 but like, I can, yeah, mm-hmm. like, it's very clearly riffing on some contemporary, I, look, I, I, okay, Palm Pilots were around by then, I'm pretty sure, because I think my dad was carrying one in 95. I yeah. eventually, I eventually got my hands on it, and, you know, that, I, I, yeah. I understood these jokes, I understood the kind of person that you would have to be to make use of these kinds of devices, and the yeah. weird amount of, the amount of effort you put into using this thing thinking it's going to make your life easier is i again i have sympathy for the fact that it was thrust upon him mm-hmm. even though i was the kind of per i was the kind of person who carried a pda up until i had to until i started carrying an iphone so like mm-hmm. I, I was the mark but i understand in hindsight how stupid i was about that yeah and like you know, Terry was a huge techie too. Yeah, so like, oh yeah, no, it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. But also like, yeah, it wasn't. It didn't go anywhere. Yeah, no, th- this was all personally, absolutely really personally. Jokes. Like, well, like I said, like I get why the knobby bit was in there. Uh, I think that that whole subplot could have gone on a little bit shorter because it really was like it did feel like the jokes were getting kind of repetitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it over the and also like it felt unstuck in time because there was like lots of shit happening while Nobby was in this one party yeah. and it, that was kind of confusing. Yeah. There, that was weird. Yeah, there. Yeah, there's the sort of thing where like the fact that this is weird and uncomfortable is itself part of the point, and I understand that. But you're still making me read stuff that's like weird and uncomfortable. Yeah, because. A lot of it so is like, like the it, same jokes he always does about Nobby, right? Like Yeah, yeah. I Yeah. I, I have some sympathy for the character of Nobby, but I don't necessarily enjoy reading about him. Mm-hmm. I like I like the payoff of the joke, but the joke itself. Uh. Yeah, the setup is too long for the payoff. It's too much yeah. of a shaggy dog story if we're talking pure joke craft. Uh, yeah. Um I there was also there's a bunch of random little bits in the book that were just like Oh, right. Every once in a while, it reminded me that, yeah, he did write Interesting Times yeah. two books before I, this. Yeah, I, forgot. <laughs> I, I almost forgot about that. So Again, many. there's a hell of a lot of casual racism that... I, it, it's all serving a greater point. I, I understand that. Mm-hmm. It, it There is meaning behind the fact that these people are being shitty to their fellow people. It also means that it's more asterisks that I gotta put on this book. <laughs> I don't remember if this was me remembering things, but god damn, it took too long for them to figure out it was the candles. Yeah. I think that might have just been, though, like, I felt that way too, but thinking about it, I think I might have just felt that way because I've read the book before and was waiting for the reveal to happen. Where are you? Where are you? Yeah, like, I've looked at everything on this table, but I haven't noted. Do you? If there's a a lamp on your desk, you know there's a lamp on your desk. Yeah, and if they're refreshing the candles every day, then it's like, well, that's that's hard to make it consistent. You wouldn't be able to, like, it's hard to poison one candle. You would have to work at the factory to do that, to, to, to steadily do it over time. So, like, 
I could see how it would take them a while to figure it out because that's like a lot of layers of that's a real Rube Goldberg yeah. contraption oh, yeah, this, way to thought, murder somebody. I liked that it was the candle. But, I I thought it felt like I didn't know what the mystery was. You know, I I thought it was good. I you know yeah. I, okay. There, yeah. It is kind of funny how like the re- the actual reason that the whole scheme falls apart is that by pure coincidence the murderous golem is working in the candle factory. There is no re- other reason why that golem was there. It was just where he got dropped off and he said, "Okay, buy this golem from us." And it was because because it had, it did in fact create some clues that eventually led pe- led everyone there. But Mm-hmm. That's what cracked the case. It would have been the perfect crime if they uh, had thought about the golem as a person and not just a tool. Okay, yeah, it's like no, not even that. If they had just employed or got some fucking oxen to do it, like apparently most people do. Yeah, like it. But you know, if you involve more people, then that's more chances for the secret but, to go down. But and golems can't talk, so maybe it's fine. But like, maybe it's fine. Further on top of that, again, the golem was pushed on him he never specifically okay he did apparently he apparently was in the market for them but like it's not a crime to say hey does anyone have one of these things lying around but and then you know it's like the golems show up and they're so desperate to get rid of it that they give it away for like thirty dollars or something which they immediately oh right i fucking hated that bit i hated that the golem turns around gives money to the beggar and the beggar promptly gets himself killed because he apparently doesn't know what to do with thirty dollars yeah, what was that about? Like, what the shit was that? <laughs> That's like old Ankh-Morpork pork joke. Yeah, like the, yeah. the the notion that if you give a panhandler money, that they're going to go immediately go die because they don't know what to do with money because that's why they're poor or whatever. A little bit of that real it, world. Well, I'm pretty bad off, but at least I'm not that guy. Yeah, again, and I'm I'm reading too far into it. I'm sure it it was just there is humor value in like this guy ended up on the other end of the world. Oh, and also dead. But it really just reads as the poor don't know what to do with a sudden mm. influx of money. Yeah, it definitely seems ill thought at the least. <sighs> I, I don't know. It, it, there were there were moments like that, but on the whole, the book worked so well as both a story and also as what I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm really happy with it. And also, it's so yeah. fucking mad yeah. at rich people. <laughs> yeah, I cannot stress this enough. Vines hates rich people in this book so much, and that's what I want from Discworld. Yeah. <laughs> so, fuck yeah. I, I wanted to just fucking hate the rich as much as possible. Hell yeah. Um, Fucking get him. Good. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, I, I, I was mad. Uh, Let's go also, to the big... Also, what was your favorite joke oh, yeah. from the book? I have a couple. Oh, That's a tough no, one. No, hold on. I've, I, I queued that one up ahead of time. Let me just get my, uh, get this turned back on. I got... um. I do have a favorite footnote that yeah, might work. Uh, oh, go there's, we, we've already talked about some of my favorite jokes, but uh, here's one. Uh, during the big... Uh, livestock escape sequence there's a uh, sentence about the bull that's staring down colon rogers the bulls were angry and bewildered which it counts as the basic state of mind for full-grown bulls footnote 
Because of the huge obtrusive mass of his forehead, Rogers the Bull's view of the universe was from two eyes, each with their own non-overlapping hemispherical view of the world. Since there were two separate visions, Rogers had reasoned, that meant there must be two bulls, bulls not having been bred for much deductive reasoning. Most bulls believe this, which is why they always keep turning their head this way and that way they look at you. They do this because both of them want to see. <laughs> which is a very cute joke. Mm. Uh, yeah. But it also precedes one of my least favorite parts of the book, which is that cows have a religion that involves uh, slaughterhouses being like the promised land, uh, which... As as a pescatarian, that that sucked a little mm. bit, but that's just personal taste. I don't think we should be trying to justify consuming I mean, look, animals for humor. Look at but. it this way. From that cow's perspective, every cow it's ever seen leave its life just went through that door and never came back. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't have yeah. any context to know that what happened there it is it is i guess perfectly reasonable for it to assume that something is happening in there that's so wonderful that the cow never wants to leave but yeah i it hit me weird yeah no that's, no that's no just, that's that's that, just a me thing yeah no I, I get thing. it i get it but i like that footnote that was a cute footnote yeah a lot of, a lot of weird shit about the the whole the the pronouns and yeah, shit but, in this book okay. and that was another weird interesting peccadillo of pronoun <laughs> Cows are by default plural. Yes. It's just the way, it's they, just the way they are. All right. Um, I've, mine was much earlier in the book when Angua is first asking Dorful about the murders. And he says, Do you, uh, how come you... Let's see here. Sorry. He, the, the priest, has been murdered. Where were you when he was killed? Dorful wrote, in the slaughterhouse. How do you know? Dorfel hesitated a moment. Then the next words were written very slowly as if they come from a long way away after a great deal of thought. Because it is something that must have happened not long ago, because you were excited for the last... And for the last three days, I have been working here. All the time? Yes. 24 hours a day? Yes. Men and trolls here on every shift. They will tell you during the day I must slaughter, dress, quarter, joint, and bone. And at night, without rest, I must make sausages and boil up the livers, hearts, tripes, kidneys, and chitterlings. That's awful, said Cheery. The pencil blurred briefly. Close. Ah, uh, <laughs> what a terrible uh, pun. Uh, I, oh, I had. I, I think I mentioned. I think one of my favorite jokes earlier, but other ones would be. Uh, so when when Vines meets Cheery for the first time, when she's doing her interview, she's you know, well, you know, my name is Cheery Little Bottom, and like Vines doesn't react. Everyone else like laughs or something, and so Cheery kind of pushes her luck a bit. She. Goes, and my father is Jolly Little Bottom, and and so on. Vibe doesn't react until um after she leaves, and then he puts his coat over his head, closes the door, and like laughs into the trash. Like, ah, cheery Little Bottom. Uh, I thought that was good. Um, when Venar is poisoned, hmm? I think I, I don't know if it's my favorite joke in the book, but I think my. I guess is it is it my most groaner joke in the entire book was when Pratchett does what he constantly does, which is follows up a deeply meaningful moment of like genuine like beautiful writing with the world's worst mm. fucking reference, <laughs> uh, following up the words in the heart cannot be taken with we can rebuild him yeah we have the, oh we have the pottery. Fucking, uh, we have the pottery. Uh, like, there was. Come on. Yeah. Come the fuck on. Okay. Uh, you fucker. When Venar is poisoned for the first time, someone tells 
Someone says, oh, you know, oh, get a stool sample, and then Detra just shows up with a wooden chair and says, well, we could break the back off of this if we need to. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah. finally, when um, so uh, when uh, Vimes goes to Cockbill Street for the first time, he sees a hopscotch board, and he's thinking about, oh, what was that rhyme we used to do as kids? It's on the tip of my tongue. And then uh, he's talk- he sees the funeral happen, and he's talking to this lady, and He's like, you know, offering her, offering consolation and, you know, and he's like, oh, oh, yeah, but by the way, while I'm here and, and, uh, you know, it's working up to like, he knows like he's going to ask something like really like fucking impolite to ask at a funeral, especially for a cop to ask someone at a funeral while they're clearly in mourning and it's building up and it's building up and you you think he's going to ask something about the, about the murder, how she died and he asks like, what was that? Do you know the rhyme the children are saying when they do hopscotch? It's been it's been on the tip of my tongue all day. Uh, it's kind of a Columbo moment, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. God. I I was gonna say that I uh, I just remembered the bit where they're trying to test the food for poison, and they bring the dumb waiter up with the uh, they're they're like, well, what if somebody got to like. I can't find the exact passage. You're like, what if somebody got to the food on a different floor? So they send the dumbwaiter up, and there's, like, a dwarf hiding in the dumbwaiter along with yeah. the dinner with, like, a pair of axes and a knife in his teeth. And Vendinari's yeah. like, oh, good heavens. I hope you at least got me some ketchup to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is cute. Also, I forgot that, um, I, uh, before we, before we get to the ranking and shit, I wanted to mention that, uh, I really love the new addition to the gang of Constable Visit, who is a... An entire oh, yeah. small gods reference yeah. in that he yep. is he's a he's an omnian, but one, he only proselytizes through like trying to give people like pamphlets yeah. and shit about how cool omnism is. And two, he is extremely educated in religious theory because it's like that's the thing with omnians now is they need to learn about every religion on earth and also like <laughs> explain from a academic and theological viewpoint why other people's religions are interesting, but ultimately flawed in comparison (laughs) with Omnianism, which is just great. Like the whole shit that Brew the laid down in small gods there, there's like a character who's like, yeah, this is, this is how it is. This is how I interact with my religion. And like pairing him up with Dorfel at the end of the book is so good. It's the the moment of Cotswold visit being like, oh my god, someone else wants the pamphlets yeah, yeah, is so fine. Why he spends the entire book like avoiding <laughs> reading his pamphlets and that he finally has someone to talk to? Yeah. Uh, I mean he he will you know, he's an atheist, so he won't necessarily say okay. yes, but it's an exciting I, conversation. I, I, I need to climbing atheist, a rock right? Yeah, I you see that's like he's okay. He's they keep saying atheist. He's an agnostic because he's very willing to entertain the idea if somebody can demonstrate to him that a god exists and you know that is Mm -hmm. even funnier because like even in in this book one of the gods just fucking hits him with a lightning bolt he just kind of looks up and goes that wasn't much of an argument (laughs) yeah and then just goes along (laughs) with his Uh... the only reason i wanted to say that's one of the best jokes is because i've already seen it so many times i i've always loved that (laughs) for so long i i don't know how to appreciate something that's just been there forever (laughs) Uh, okay, wh- one more thing. There's a when um Colin gets he wanders into the candle factory, gets captured and tied up in the other room, and he's like, "Okay, you know, come on, the 
the wicker, the string around my hands is really tight. I just need like a sharp nail or something to like, you know, to, you know, cut it on. And the, the narration goes into this whole thing about like, well, you know, people are always, whenever someone is kidnapped, the kidnappers usually throw them into a room with you know, all sorts of sharp things where they, where they can make their escape. Or sometimes enough spare parts to build a fully working armored car, which is a fucking A-team joke. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. Okay, no, I got I've got one other bit here that I want from the very tail end. So I'm sorry, I we're sorry, we're realizing how many good jokes were in this book. No, I love this. But there's one bit right at the end where Vetinari is debriefing Vimes after the mystery is solved and he's just going over all the stuff that happens and re- references back from when Vimes was pretending to be drunk. It's like, did you really punch the head of the Assassin's Guild in the nose? Vimes said, yeah. It's like, why did you do that? Because I didn't have a dagger. Yeah. And the and Vetinari just immediately turns around. It's, it's like they're not saying it, but it's very obvious that he's he's hiding his face because he's probably got this just horrible snigger on his on his face at the moment. Yeah, that was really. Good. Oh yeah. I also I love the I love the whole bit of vibes being like I've taken their opinion under careful consideration and I've come to a conclusion. Arseholes to the law. <laughs> just like, or, fuck them all. Or even like, uh, so good. Like, Vetinari said, described like, you know, you know, Vimes, everyone's bad at you. Like, all the guild, all the, all the heads of all the guilds, all the rich people, all the nobles, they're all pissed off at you. So I'm giving you a raise. <laughs> <sighs> or the entire thing of him walking into the chambers, just leaving an axe on the table of, don't do the fucking king thing again. Yeah. We solved it once, we'll do it again, you motherfuckers. Don't just fucking do it. It's there. Just saying. Oh, More importantly, for thoughts. He got so to va- fun little conversation piece. Yeah, he got to vandalize a room that nobody liked anyways. Yeah, which... Mm. It's weird that was a Star Chamber joke, but all, it was like... The L Space Annotation said the Rat Chamber was a joke on, like, three things. Yeah, the Star Chamber was uh, a place for, I believe it was, like, the House of... It was It was in Westminster in London. It was a place for, like, the... House of Commons members to like meet uh, to discuss trade stuff and or something like also, that. So it's like a very specific reference to a British. It was thing. also like if you were like rich and powerful, if you're like a noble or something, but you were in trouble, you were accused of a crime, they would drag you into the star chamber and to be mm. tried. Yeah. But it's also like a weird rat king a, joke. A room. A room of mm. ill portent. Well, it's, it's Discworld, so it's like our world, but a little yeah. wackier. Rat kings happen, just you know, not quite. Rat kings will happen. Yeah, we'll see more Uh, of them later in the in uh, Discord. The only king I will respect is a bunch of rats that got their tails stuck together. Apparently, it happens with other tailed creatures like squirrels too. I respect rats so much. Mm. Yeah, rat appreciation. I love rats. They're the best. Rest in peace, buddies. Mm -hmm. Uh. I miss our rats. One day we'll get another small mammal pet, and it will be so good. I'm going to post so many fucking photos. Uh, But yeah, Uh, so unless there are no further objections, let's move on to the ranking. Uh, This is a good book. Uh, Would we say that it is better or worse than the top-ranked book on our list belonging to the Watch series, Men at Arms, which is currently sitting at number three? 
Yeah, I mean, it, okay. I, I, we are very, very lucky that the top book is another watch book because that makes this so much easier. That's not the top book. Well, that's, no, that's not top book. Oh, I was going to say, sorry. there's two books, right, two books right. above that. Fuck. Would you say this book fuck. is better or worse than Reaper Man? Oh fuck! Uh, yeah, it's better. I can see that. I don't want to. I don't want to say yes, but unfortunately, I, I'm I'm under a truth compulsion spell right now, so I have to say yes. Yeah. Okay. I Strange reason that. to say yes, but fair. Uh, I, what about I, I, our I, I, number I, one on the list? Small yeah, gods. I would say it's better than small gods. Yeah, it's better. I I, I like it more than all of those books. It it, it it's. I can see the argument for Reaper Man because the highs of Reaper Man are just that high, just that mm. great at points. The moment of what hope has the harvest, but for the mm-hmm. care of the Reaper Man is still like Fucking one of my favorite Discworld points ever. But like on the whole, I liked every part of this mm-hmm. book so much. There wasn't a single part that I was like, Ugh. Yeah, Maybe inter- some of the Nobby stuff, but even then, that was often, like, part of the mystery, at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I-, I don't have many complaints about this. The fact that this is such a tightly really wound well. book really uh, yeah, that's, really yeah. sells it. Like, I could give this... I could, like... Not that this is the sole criteria of what we're ranking by, but I feel like you could give this book to somebody and be like, okay, start here with Discworld to get a good idea of what the vibe mm-hmm. is. Yeah. And that well, what the vibes is, yeah. if you will. And what the Vimes is, yeah. Do it for the Vimes. <sighs> oh God, these are terrible. But yeah, I yeah. So I I, I expect I honestly expected you to push back harder on this one, Iris. I okay, like personally, Small Gods was really really important to me, mm-hmm. and it's a really Same. really good book. It's a Same. emotionally weighty book. Um. I think that while Small Gods would probably go over Feet of Clay if this were a podcast that only had me on it, it's not, and that wouldn't be objective. I think that I think that looking at it from a distance, Feet of Clay has just as much to say as Small Gods does. And I think that Maybe with the with the labor angle, and you know, with the gender too, even if it was unintentional, I think that maybe it even has a little bit. It it, it has it's on the same level. Like it's it's not a it's not like miles ahead of small gods, but the fact that it's so tightly wound and so much better constructed. Like there's bits in small gods that definitely fucking drag their asses, and like mm-hmm. bits yeah. that are not necessary. This book, this book was very well put together so i i gotta i got a default to putting it above it uh is the thing i think yeah there, there isn't really a part of this book where i'm like oh well i mean this part was so awful there were some bad jokes and the Navi part went on too long but even those were just kind of small parts of the whole and in terms of it trying to actually be about something actually do something with its story like there's a re- this is one of my favorite Discworld books. It does. It it wants to tell a story about gender and robots and class politics and how much you should hate the middle uh, the upper class at all opportunities. Like it's fucking good. I I love this one. 
That's my argument for it at the top. I, I I don't know what's going to unseat it, but yeah, I imagine something I, will eventually. Yeah, well, everyone, eventually. Like, everyone keeps talking I, about Jingo. It must be really good. You're all, you're all seem like you're looking forward to it. Yeah, wow. it's going to be awesome! <laughs> it's I can't gonna wait! Sure be a thing. Mm. I mean, oh, look, I already lost the battle when Reaper Man got unseated, so... I've... Now, I, I don't have much else to say, I guess. Like, I, I, no, I mean, if... I, I'm... I'm if you have an argument, feel free. No, 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 no. Look, first of all, those are already settled. I can't argue facts. I'm saying that I've already had my favorite unseated, so I'm going to be a little bit oh. faster to do it in the future because I don't have that extra secret motivation, let's say. Okay. And that's why I was saying. Well, that's why I was saying I was expecting you to push back harder against small gods getting unseated because I am a very petty woman. Oh, but that's what we love and about And we you. love you for it. Absolutely. <laughs> what are you so talking about, I promise Pauline? I wasn't so fishing, big. but yeah. <laughs> I said petty, not petite. Petty? Ah. <laughs> you can do petty crimes while being very large. If I was smarter, I'd have a really great joke there. We'll put that in at our number one spot. Feet of Clay currently taking the top rank on the Discover's official ranking, but maybe not for long. Uh, we have other classics Headed down the pike towards us. Uh, next episode, we are covering Hogfather. Oh, I'm excited uh, for this one. Technically, I mean, we were at first we were like, oh, we could do Hogfather in time for the holidays. But you know what? This book and its Jewish origins are just in time for Hanukkah. <laughs> so happy Festival of Lights for all who celebrate. Yours is truly uh, a better holiday than Christmas because it's longer and it has better food involved. Um, we will get to Hogfather in January, after which we will do Jingo. And then I think after that is the last continent. And then after that, oh baby, I think that's when we get to the truth, right? And the truth is great. So yeah, I think that'll after be something that, to look forward to. A bunch of great stuff, especially because the last we got continent some, is the last, last continent book. Yeah, yeah. But Fifth Elephant, uh, Thief of Time, we got some bangers on the way, basically. Uh, after we get over the hurdle of the next two books. Don't worry. We, I don't think we have to worry, or the next three books. Hogfather's okay. I'm excited to revisit it because I remember it being fine, but yeah. We also have some fan mail if you'd like to hear some of that, actually. Congratulations um, to Feet, by the way. A lot of comments. Yes. Uh, actually, that's one of the topics of, the, of some comments. Um, from our... Recurring fan mail uh, enthusiast Jace. Uh, Jace says, Hey y'all, I think we can all agree that Christine from Masquerade was trans, right? Right. She was truly a hot bimbo who was performing gender to a T, but sadly for her, she couldn't sing. Consider if folk punk existed on the disc, the true genre for trans women with vocal fry. Yours truly, Jace. P.S. I know it's too late to warn of this. Be careful with those foot kink jokes and talking about feet of clay. The more you joke about a kink, the more likely you are to gain it. P.P.S. A comedic hypno story about using comedy to give a victim a fetish? Is that something? Yes. Could be something. Friend, I have good news princess. about uh, Princess Grace's uh, output now on uh, AO3. Fantastic erotica designed to amuse and arouse. Please, if you your listener are curious about the princess grace erotic comedy experience check it out at uh, princess.software or perfect.hypnovir.us or yes i am cross-posted to ao3 still yes 
That's great. Uh, good thoughts. I love the idea of Christine, uh, trans folk mm-hmm. punk icon, uh, the Lara Jane Grace of the Discworld. Uh, that would kick ass. Yeah, it's um, she's in the long, long category of characters who it would be very fun to see something slightly more of a, a bit more of the, that character, but instead they just end up one-offs, unfortunately. If, if only mm. there's a letter from if Bo- only Sir Terry oh, had lived long enough to experience the rise of a hundred decks in black dresses and write and write a book about <laughs> <laughs> write a book about trans femme hyper pop musicians. God. God, he would yeah. have though. He was in those sorts yeah. of weird scenes. He absolutely yeah. would have like listened to that. Oh, God, uh, we would have had a one hundred gex joke, and it would have been someone with one hundred yeah. geckos. It, it uh, would have been great. Yeah. <sighs> PC music, more like PU music, if you ask me. Hello. Uh, um. <laughs> We also got a letter from Brendan uh, Terry uh, about interesting times. Terry Pratchett is usually so good at presenting social issues in a way that can be called accessible or possibly elementary, but always earnestly. So I'm shocked he fumbled so badly here. Eating dog jokes. This is Jay Leno level racism. I guess I'm glad he didn't research extremely niche racism, though. It's almost like he's dumping his worst impulses into a book about a character he has emotionally abandoned. Uh, maybe. We'll see about The Last Continent. P.S. Bad news. I went back to a couple weeks after 9-slash-9-slash-9-9 and played the vampire block moving with some combat game Soul Reaver. Previously, it was my roommate that played it. In this timeline, I never went into the game industry, so David Cage survived past 2004. After that, it's all butterfly effect to the current hell world. Sorry. Oh, love the pot. Uh, I'm sorry you didn't get your chance to assassinate thank, David Just Cage. Thank, uh, thank you so much for picking up that brick joke. I feel so much better now. <laughs> Okay, not just you. There's another email from uh, Zians that says, I got that Soul Reaver joke. Honestly, I sat stunned for a few seconds because I had finished Cult of the Land without realizing that fact. Thanks for the minor mind blow moment. Title of email is, I'm a rev ahead. <laughs> I thought there was a way to find the Soul Reaver fans in the crowd. <laughs> Oh, that's good. So yeah, if you'd like to send us some fan mail about your experiences reading Feet of Clay or any of Terry's other books, or you just want to say hi and tell us that we're very cool and sexy, uh, you can send an email to disc at hypnovire.us. That's D-I-S-C at sign H-Y-P-N-O-V-I-R dot U-S. Easy to remember. Uh, Yeah. Uh, You've been listening to Disc Covers. The internet's well, not not the only Discworld podcast on the internet, but uh, we're one of them. I'd hesitate to say we're one of the better ones, or no, I wouldn't hesitate to say that. I would say that immediately. I'd get in your face and shout it. Uh, I'm Iris J. You can find me online at irisj.net or at Iris J Comics on co-host Mastodon. Uh, I'm on Tumblr again now, just because I am. Uh, I'm on Pillow Fort as well. And I'm still on Twitter for as long as it exists, I guess. It's it's looking bleak out there right now for Twitter. Uh, huh. I think if I have to recommend a thing this week... Um, oh, shit. I'm probably gonna say... I don't... I'm worried some of you are gonna recommend this too. But I've really gotta say... 
Vampire Survivors, fucking amazing game. <laughs> they just came out with uh, some new DLC that's only a dollar. The game itself is only five dollars. You really owe it to yourself. It's it's it doesn't require Twitch reflexes or anything. It's it's got a lot of little funny bits in it. It's very addictive to play, uh, and it's just a real. It's been a real pleasure to see a game that is flash game as hell. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about this earlier before the show. It's flash game as hell yeah, in the most positive way, and it ranks among my favorite games of this year unexpectedly uh, above much more elaborate and higher budget games. And I hope that proves to a lot of people that like, yeah, you don't need to like make something a massive production. You can just make it fun. Uh, it's cool. There's no vampires in it though. Very odd. Um, you're, you're trying to survive the vampire. That's true. Maybe you're the vampire. It's unclear. Did I recommend Vampire Survivors on like, the show already? Like, I two of the remember. characters are like Alucard and a gender-bent Alucard. I think, so. I think one I, of I, the jokes I, is, is that there actually aren't any vampires in the game. Yeah, no, no, no. It's a, it's a running gag that they're trying to find one, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah they can't find One of the bullet vampires. points for the DLC, which, okay, uh, just tiny clarification. It's like two bucks if you didn't buy it bundled with the game. Or it might be, it, oh. at least it's two bucks on Steam. It might be at different prices elsewhere. Whatever. I'm just, I'm just putting, again, I'm putting the little tiny disclaimers on there, like for some kind of medical podcast. But, um, yeah, no, the, as somebody who has 100%ed it, at least as of the DLC, no vampires. But the, D, the DLC has a, there we go, there we go. The DLC has a bullet point that it may or may not contain vampires. <laughs> Which is weird because you're going to Whoa. you're leaving Italy and going to Japan for that one. So, well, I mean that would be you might think that there wouldn't be any vampires there, and that what that's what makes it the perfect place to hide. That was the whole plot of uh, Thirty Days of Night. Cause they're like, yo, Alaska gets uh, it's dark half the year. Know what could be great there? Dracula's baby. Mm, makes sense. I th- yeah, that's huh. that's brilliant. Yeah. Mm, yes. Very <laughs> Sorry. No, no. Sometimes uh, there's just something where you're just like, yeah, that's a pretty good yes. thing remake, but it's a vampire movie. Oh yeah, I'm baby. Watching. I'm Juniper. Uh, you can find me online on Twitter at Juniper Theory. On, I believe the co-host also as Juniper Theory. Or did I make a different username there? Yeah, no, just Juniper Theory. Uh, also, uh, hopefully, and this will hopefully be in the show notes. Doing another podcast. Specifically about Netrunner lore, it's finally happening. We recorded it. Oh, uh, what did you call it? What did so, you call it? Oh, I'm so hype about that. Oh God, uh, it's it is called. Uh, this only makes sense to people who actually play Netrunner and have seen the newest set. It is called Super Deep Lorehole. Ah. Perfect. Great. Because no there notes. is a card in the new set called Super Deep Borehole. Oh, I love that. Okay, yeah. no, that's brilliant. I love it. Yeah, it's terrible. It, it, I was pressured to do it by my co-hosts, that, by which I mean I'm, it's a good name. Okay, no, no, uh, okay. Just for the benefit of the audience, June was agonizing over what to call it. Yeah, yeah. So, I... But yeah, uh, it's it's going to be really good. I'm really excited. Uh, Netrunner's the coolest game ever made. I constantly don't recommend it because it is a permanent recommendation. Instead, I'll recommend... Did I... What did I recommend last time? I didn't even remember. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I kind of thought you were gonna recommend Dwarf Fort or something. I've been playing it constantly. Uh, 
Yeah, I'll recommend Dwarf Fortress. It's fantastic. Uh, exactly as good as it seems. I've made a fortress and there's one small angry child who is ruining my entire fort. And I'm desperately trying to atomize him with a drawbridge. <laughs> and I can't get him to stand at the right place to do so. So instead I'm wasting my time building a hole to the center of the earth that has a giant spiral Mad God style staircase. Excellent. I, yeah, I also know, recommend Mad people... God. Go watch Mad God. It's a good movie. People kept joking that Dwarf Fortress is such a big game that it contains all other games inside of it. I didn't realize how true that was until you talking about this made me realize that you are just trying to play a Hitman yes. here <laughs> Hit with a child. Yes. No, I, I definitely there is, there is no possible way that they didn't make a way to put NAND gates in there. <sighs> so, uh, no, no, there, you, can, you can do programming. Okay. It's, it's hard. Because it's Dwarf Fortress, but you can Yeah, can't. it's Dwarf Fortress, so of course it's going to be a pain in the butt. But I wouldn't be... So, I mean, it's a game programmed by mathematicians. I would not have been surprised if there wasn't a, literally a structure you could build called a NAND gate. <sighs> also, what did I recommend last time? You recommended the band oh, Soul yeah. Glow. Oh, yeah, no. Well, in that, uh, I, uh, if I recommended Soul Glow last time, I also have to say, go watch Boshi the yeah. Rock. It's incredible. God damn it's it! the best anime of the past while. Uh. <laughs> That's that was absolutely what I was going to recommend. So <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. I just, I just threw it out there. You can I'm do gonna, it. Go ahead, Belina. I'm going to say Belina recommended Bochi the Rock because you already recommended two things. Yeah, yeah. I, I always do too many. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Hi, I'm still, I'm still Belina. I'm just, I'm, all, I'm always feel like I'm putting myself on the spot here. But no, I, I legitimately, I've been, we've been watching bochi the rock it's it's an anime about some girl that is has deep deep social anxiety so she wanted to become popular so she decided she'd learn the guitar but then she accidentally spent like three years doing literally nothing but learning the guitar but she's still a horribly anxious dork so she kind of gets recruited into a band and it's all a bunch of deeply deeply painful like for everybody who everyone who grew up being deeply socially anxious and just couldn't bring themselves to talk to anybody and ha always had the worst case scenarios running through your head, which unfortunately is probably like ninety five percent of our audience, you're you're going to sort of like inwardly <laughs> yeah. cringe at Bochi trying to get through everything, but it it there's catharsis, thank forward. God, and it and it does it does so many mm -hmm. so much fun stuff with the animation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I will yeah. say it's also I've seen other stuff like it. And often those things are so mean to the main character like, oh, wow, look at what a loser you are unable to like do anything no. such a thing. This is actually really kind in a lot of interesting ways. It has a lot of mm -hmm. love for yeah, her character. The, the important thing and is also, I cannot stress the animation is incredible. Wild. It, 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 it's one of those times where it's like wildly better than the source material, which is good because the source material was a bunch of four coma gags. But yeah, like the the animation's great, and more importantly, everybody is rooting for Bochi. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like it, we're we're what like nine episodes in at this point, and like it has gotten to the point where most of the team realizes when she's having her episodes and is actively trying to help put her back together. It's kind of worrying to realize that that yeah, stuff they're... that all those breakdowns she's having are diegetic, and I don't. They're very mm, kind yeah, no. to her, yeah, which is that's, very nice. That's why it, part of why it works is like, oh, okay, well, we be, we better we better help out. She, we know what happens when she gets like this. Mm -hmm. 
I would compare the animation to Pop yeah. Team Epic, if that means anything to you. Yeah, it's really it good animation. Also, the music in it oh. is... There's some, like, mm. fucking banger tracks in, okay, the, in the, there, too. The one thing that the uh, anime doesn't do that the manga did was the manga, like, every issue or whatever, started with a recreation of some other Japanese rock group's album covers just redone with the Bochi characters. And there are obvious reasons why they can't do that in an anime, because the licensing becomes ten times more difficult. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you go and, like, you go to, like, Manga Decks or, you know... I'm sorry, I didn't actually mention any of these by names, because I certainly don't condone piracy, especially about things that you can't buy in the U.S., but if you go read these, most of the fan translators do have a thing like on the last page, they show you what, you know, they, what cover is being referenced and how they adapted it over to the Bochi characters. And, you know, yeah, no, oh, it's, it's cool. an, it's an excellent little touch. And it's, there's, there's a lot of very deep love for the music scene that it's portraying. And even if it's not a scene that I'm into, it's very, you can, you can feel the love rating off, rating off of it. I gotta keep uh, needling my friends at Seven Seas to pick that up as a localized oh. thing. By the way, Kel, I know Kel, you're listening. We're begging Y'all you. should get Bochi the Rock oh and localize God, please, it. Please. Please. That would be so cool. Oh. Uh, also, it's weird because the characters are all still named after members of the band Asian Kung Fu Generation. They kept oh, that in the end. I didn't know that. But that's fine. Oh, yeah. Fact. Uh, but yeah, fucking great show. Really good. Um. And, uh, I have been the internet's beloved Princess Grace. You can find my writing programs, podcast posts, and pornography, and everything else that's fit to plug at princess.software. I. Hmm? No, I'm sorry. I, I comment every time on how you always have that ready to go. The way that you delivered it this time, you kind of had this bit like you were revving up an engine until you really got going there. Like you'd been sitting idle too long and you had to like turn the starter <laughs> engine first. Yeah, you know, one of those newer cars that shuts the engine off when you're, you're stopped at the stoplight. Oh, yeah, no, 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 you're... Look, I, look, I, I play a hybrid online, I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Machine girl. Yeah, like, That's I hot. will admit that, like, I kept reading this book and thinking, like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is activating some weird, some robot kidney feeling. I was thinking about Solitaire the whole time. Yeah. I... I picked a really weird oh, yeah. time to suddenly start seeing the look. I'm back on Mastodon again, and and that means that I'm reading stuff from people that I don't follow on Twitter, and I have fallen down such a doll posting hole. Yeah, it, yeah. It fe- oh, doll posting. It, look, One of the I, best I, things I'm, in Look, I'm not going to recommend it because it's a very specific acquired taste. But look, Wintergreen, you're amazing. I am so glad that I've that I've gotten to see your stuff. You're utterly fantastic. Yeah. Come on the pod sometime. Bring your <laughs> oh, witch. It'll be fun. One. Again, we need we need excuses for guest stars, damn it. But yeah, no, just the fact that I get yeah. deep into this hole to the point that I've got like my own drafts of stuff sitting off to the side, and then I pick this up and go, oh, right, this is the one about golems. The universe is fucking with me. <laughs> Open parentheses, affectionate. And it's good. I love this book. Yeah. Did you want yeah, to recommend yeah. anything, Grace? Um, See, the only I think I've already recommended like Akiba Made War, which is I think probably one of my top animes of the season. So, um, because it's getting to be around the holidays, Die Hard's still pretty good. Like I, I hate to be a Die Hard as a Christmas movie, but I'm wearing a fucking sweater that says it right now. I don't necessarily earnestly believe it, but like it's a good movie. I watch it every year around this time as an excuse. Like it does have these rancid Reagan era politics, but it's also just really fun. 
Die Hard is having having seen it for a couple of Christmases. Die Hard is my current standard for if you're gonna be like a horrible political movie that kind of is deeply conservative in this awful way, you have to at least be this fun to watch. This much of a good, yeah. entertaining movie. And it is. It is the standard, because it's really fun uh, to uh, watch. It's a Stone Cold a- classic. Anyone who, watched it, anyone who was there when we watched it the other night knows that I spend most of the movie reciting the lines to myself. Oh, I'm yes. so sorry I couldn't be there. <laughs> that was us with yeah, the... We sorry. Watched, I wish I had caught that. Yeah, we watched Muppet Christmas Carol the other night, and literally me and me and my girlfriend were just on mute so that we could sing the entire movie and yeah. quote most of it. Aww. Yeah. I, That's cute. I used to do voice training by practicing $600 billion in unmarked bearer bonds. And, and sorry, $600 billion <laughs> in negotiable bearer bonds you have locked in your vault. That's a good voice training <laughs> line. Shit. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining me, my delightful co-hosts. And thank you for listening, dear listeners. Join us next time when we review Hogfather. Until then, have a joyous holiday season and a happy new year. Truly, they Uh, were feet feet of clay and maybe. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I guess maybe feet of gay. (laughs) Question mark. Terrible I, I mean, okay, look, yeah. he's got masculine pronouns. <laughs> Visit's got masculine pronouns. So, sure, yeah. It's, we're, uh, we're already rooting for a gay romance uh, here. Someone draw this before we turn off uh, the podcast. love can bloom. Religion, boys. One of them's always hard. That's hot. You think love can bloom? Even in the middle of a Reddit and, and <laughs> slash? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, they're, I think it's right on. I can't even finish it. Uh, he's a Reddit atheist, and he's they're going to be in our relationship post one day, and I love them for it. Oh, love wins. Beautiful. All right, um, love wins. <laughs> I'm stopping the recording. <laughs> Thank you all. Always a pleasure.